And that song was written by Nikolai Moldavianu, who was a he was in jail with uh, Richard Wormbrand, and uh, that man wrote eight thousand hymns. And uh, so in Romania we have many many hymns to sing, many hymns to sing, and there are many that are translated from English into Romanian, uh, but the the ones we like, well, the ones that I like the most, are probably the ones that he wrote. You know, it's very interesting how you can go from one country to another and then just begin to love where the people came from and what they've been through and know their history and, and begin to understand you know, what they went through for Christ. And through the communist days, you, know, you can just imagine a man who's been in prison and he's beaten and, and, uh, and you know, just put in solitary confinement and he's thinking to himself, walking every day with God, you know. Uh, Enoch did it, Noah did it, Elijah did it, and so can I. doesn't matter what I pass through, I can walk with God. And we'll just walk with God into heaven. You know, and that's just a, it's a, big, it's a big blessing. I don't think we would really understand that until you know, we were going through those moments where we feel like we're completely alone and we need uh, the Lord. There's only me and the Lord. That's when we begin to understand how important it is to walk with him. Amen. Um, this, uh, this morning I, I want to uh, just talk about uh, missions, or basically the, the mission that God has given to us, which is the, the ministry of reconciliation. We are here to reconcile men with God. And God has done the, the greater part, and he, he, he continues to do the part, but he uses men to bring other men to God. And um, here he begins, uh, the, as we read uh, already this morning, we, uh, we read uh, that uh, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. And I want you to remember the day when you were born again and remember the things which were going through your mind and just maybe the uh, remembering the, the life that you had already uh, spent and probably wasted in sin and in and in the, the problems which you had and, and you were uh, coming to Christ knowing that really the world has nothing to offer, knowing that uh, there is at the end of this life a judgment that is to come, knowing that we're not right with God, knowing that there's, there's, there's trouble uh, in our lives that, that can't be resolved by ourselves because the trouble comes from that fight with God that rebellion that's in our hearts. And we finally came to the Lord in repentance and faith and said, Lord, please save me, a sinner. I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be, to be blessed by you. I don't deserve to be in your family. But Lord, have mercy upon this sinner. And we experienced that moment, which we would call the fear of the Lord, when we finally realised that uh, we were standing before a holy God and needed to repent of our sins and, and turn to him. And therefore it says uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what do we do? We persuade men. We know what it's like to be a sinner. We know what it's like to have to stand before God and, 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 and bow the knee and and, and say, Lord, I'm, I'm finished. I'm not going to fight with you anymore. I'm going to be 
on your side. We know what it's like to be forgiven. We know what it's like to enter into the family of God. We know what it's like to live an abundant Christian life. We are the the ones that God is able to use to bring other people through that period of time. See, we've already experienced it. So knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We we are the, the most qualified people to be able to lead another person to Christ because we've already come to Christ. We've already been led to him. And so knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And then he, he, he combines the holiness of God and the love of God in this chapter. So he's saying that the holiness of God, when we realised who God was and we came and we said we must bow the knee, we must repent of our sins and we must give our hearts to God. He says after that in verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. This is holiness of God and the love of God. You can't separate the two. The two are always together. The two of them are always uh, working together for the redemption of man. And he stands before man as a holy God, but a God that's willing and ready to forgive anyone that will come to him. And so, for the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Who are you living for this morning? If Christ saved your soul, who are you living for? Are you living for yourself? Are you living for other things in this world? Or are you living for him who died for you and rose again? We have to answer this question this morning. So we have to to come to Christ and we say, well, I know the terror of the Lord, I know the love of God, I know that now how how am I supposed to uh, use those things, how am I supposed to allow those things to flow through my life that I might bring other people to Christ? I'm supposed to be living for him. It's no longer my life that I'm living. I'm living his life. I'm supposed to be living the life of Christ. We heard years and years and years ago the, the catchphrase, what would Jesus do? And everyone was wearing uh, wristbands and all this kind of thing and, and they had all those kind of things but were they really living or were they really doing what Jesus would do? It was just kind of a, a fun thing to have but I'm not, not, not sure if they were actually living it but they had it on their wrist, you see? But when we talk about doing what Jesus would do, we have to think about what would Jesus do if he was in my shoes, if he had my life until now, if he began to live from where I am right now, what would he do next? That's what I have to do, amen? I have to do what he would do. And so I'm living not for myself but for him who died and rose again for me. Therefore he says, uh, we, henceforth we know we know man after the flesh, Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet know, uh, now, henceforth, know we him no more. What's it talking about? It's talking about being able to see him, see his body, see him in the flesh. Now he has gone. He's gone uh, into the heavens, sitting at the right hand of God, and we no longer see him in the flesh. We see him through the eyes of faith. And he begins to tell us about how we should see other men. Okay, we, uh, henceforth, know we know man after the flesh. 
The Christian is supposed to see things spiritually. Not looking on the outward appearance, but looking upon the heart as God looks. And uh, this in, in verse 12 it says, we, we, uh, For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. And he's saying we should be looking, as Christians, looking spiritually at people. Uh, C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, uh, you do not have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. And if you think about that for a little bit, you can begin to see things differently. You see, the soul is eternal. It never dies. Okay, it, the, when we talk about the, the uh, uh, going to heaven and the second death, okay, those things are eternal. They never, the soul always remains in existence. It's either eternally in heaven with God or it's eternally in hell separated from God. But it's still there. The soul remains. And, uh, but this body is temporary. We'll lose this body. We have another one ready for us, waiting for us. Uh, to, be, to, get, to be clothed upon by this new body. And so when we begin to think about the, uh, when we get, begin to think about people as souls, we begin to see the mission that God has given us to fulfill. See, sometimes we look upon the outward appearance, okay? And we look upon men as, as uh, uh, sometimes we look up to men, sometimes we look down to them, Sometimes we uh, look sideways, sometimes we look disgusted, sometimes we look uh, uh, joyful at, uh, at receiving that person. You know, we, we look upon the outward appearance and we treat people differently based upon the outward appearance. Skin colour, uh, uh, race, uh, sex, uh, whatever it is. So you look upon uh, people in different ways and you go... You either like them or don't like them based upon what you see with your eyes. You see, but he says the Christian life is not supposed to be one like the world sees. The world sees the outward appearance. The Christian is supposed to look upon the heart. He's supposed to see the soul, the soul of man. And we know that uh, we know this is uh, this is true because when, I don't know if you've ever seen a dead body in Australia. I've never seen a dead body in my in my life until I went to Romania. But the dead body, okay, um, usually in a funeral in Australia, we, we have the closed casket and, and you never see the actual body uh, after, it, after it's dead. It's, they put it in a box and they stick it in the ground. You don't see it. You don't, sometimes you don't even see it go in the ground. They shuff, shuff you off and, and, and you don't know what happens after that, where it is. But in Romania, we have open coffins. We have uh, the person, the dead person, uh, still in the house for three days. And they do a proper wake where they watch the body 24 hours a day just to make sure it's dead because they don't want to bury somebody alive. alive. You see, so the dead body remains in the house and that, that helps you get closure because you can see he's, he's, he's really dead, you know, he's not waking up from where he is. And, uh, and, and, but when you look upon a dead body and you look into their eyes, the soul is not there anymore. You can tell. It's not there. Something is, something is missing. The light has gone out and uh, that person is not there anymore. 
And so when we, uh, when, you know, we have a, we have a big problem in, uh, in Western society where, where people uh, are having this uh, uh, crisis about their identity and what they are. And they don't know where they fit and they don't know all this kind of stuff. And, and, and it's because they, they're looking upon the outward appearance, not looking upon the soul of man, and they're, they're, they're crying out for somebody to, to, to know them. They so say, I need, I need someone to know who I am. No one knows me. You know, my soul is me. It's inside this body, this, this court, this, this tent, this house. But the real person is inside. Okay, this, this is temporary. You know, and people look upon the, the outward appearance and they don't bother to see who the person is inside. They don't want to delve any deeper. They don't want to seek any, anything else. They just want to look at the outward appearance and they say, no, we don't want to know that person. And there are millions of people around the world that are going, no one wants to know who I am, who I am. They're not interested in who I am. They're just looking upon the outward appearance and then they, they run away or they make a decision before I get there. But the Christian should look upon the heart. The Christian should seek to make contact with the soul that is within to know that person and to, and to know that person after the spirit, not after the flesh. Henceforth we know no man after the flesh. And therefore he says in verse 17, Therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All the old things have passed away. Behold, all has become new. Okay, he says, so he, he says the past, that person's past has been forgotten, has been forgiven. He's now a new creature and he should be treated as a new creature. He should be treated as someone who is in the family of God. He needs to be treated as a person that's been redeemed and forgiven. If God can forgive him, we can forgive him. Amen? And so when, when, when we begin to look uh, spiritually and begin to see the souls of men, then we begin to see the mission which God has given us to fulfill. We should be seeking after souls. So he, he tells us these things about the, the new creature, but then he, he, he reveals to us the ministry of reconciliation. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, this is the message, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That's the message. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That's the message which we give out to the world. Reconcile with God. Make peace with God. Come to, to God and, 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 and fix that relationship that, you, uh, that, you, that is broken between you and him. And so uh, we have been given this ministry, and this, is, this ministry okay, is missions. Okay? It doesn't matter where you are in the world, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter uh, what country you're in. When you begin to seek the souls of men and reconcile them to God, you are in the ministry of God. You are being a missionary and you are doing uh, the work which God has called you to do. Be ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God did beseech you by us, be reconciled to God. So we are to be the ambassadors. We know an ambassador is a representative of a country. That's usually the way we use it. And the way that person acts in the country which they're in uh, basically determines what people in that country think about the country from where he came from. And we are ambassadors for Christ or ambassadors of heaven. And so when people look upon our lives, they make a judgment of what the family of God is like, what the country from whence we come is like. And so we have to live a holy life. And a life, not just holy, but a life full of love. Okay, A life that uh, will receive anybody a life that will receive even the worst of sinners. There's one person in the Bible which I uh, appreciate a lot, and that is uh, Ananias. I'm not Ananias, uh, uh, the uh, the priest um, in the Book of Acts, which God sent to uh, sent to to Saul. And he sent him there, and he said, "Go and tell him what I have planned for him." And he said, "But Lord, isn't this the one that?" Put you know havoc in the churches and things like that. And go and talk to him, even him, even him, the worst man uh, against the church. You go and talk to him, and he's going to be used by me to do many things. And, and God used him, but that man, that priest, had to go and say, "Well, we have to live a holy life, but we also have to love the sinner, even the worst of sinners." We, uh, I'm not sure if you remember, I spoke uh, last time I was in Australia about a man that uh, used to come and, uh, and, and curse and scream at us every time we went to church. So he would stand across the road from the church and every t- anyone that would come to church in, uh, in Baben, he would yell and scream at them and, and he'd say, you, you're destroying the Orthodox religion and you're going to burn in hell and, and all these things and, and we, we didn't really know what to do with him. And uh, we, we, uh, I spoke with the church and I said, look, Obviously, we need this guy. He's going to teach us something. You know, God wouldn't let him do that if it wasn't something that we need to learn. And uh, maybe we need to be more serious about our Christian life. Maybe we need to uh, be a bit more humble and uh, allow someone to, to uh, uh, accuse us and allow someone to, to abuse us as we, as we go to church. Maybe that's what we need so that we can grow in Christ. They said, if we're nice to this man, if we love him, and if we try to witness to him, and if we try to, to win him, you know, if, uh, if, if we can win him to Christ, then that will be a great testimony in our city because everyone knows what he's doing because this guy had the loudest voice I think I've ever heard in my life and he, his, his voice echoed around the, uh, the apartment blocks which were across the road from the church. It was like an amphitheatre for him and he would just he'd scream out these cursings and, and, and abuse that he would give to these people and the, you know, the, the people, from, for me, it didn't worry me much because I don't know any of the curse words in Romanian, so it kind of just bounces off, uh, bounces off me. But for the people that come to the church, it was pretty bad, you know, for them. And I said, well, you know, um, we might be able to win this guy. And then I said, and until then, we have free advertising at the church. Everyone knows when church is on because this guy's screaming and yelling at us all the time. And, you know, we tried to, we tried to, to go across and talk to him and he'd always run away from us or... You know, he didn't want to talk to us and he would tape us, you know, video us on, on his iPad and, and things like this. And we thought, we don't know what he's trying to do, but whatever it is that uh, uh, he's not happy with us. And, 
Anyway, we, I came to Australia and I told all the churches about this guy that was, uh, I called him my friend, in inverted commas, in, in our prayer letters. And, uh, and, and we, were, uh, we were talking about him. And the, but that was the attitude that we had. We wanted, to, we wanted to win this guy. Well, when I went back to Romania, the, one of the ladies in the church said that he died. And, uh, and we said, how did, how did he die? And he, she said he was out in the fields um, sleeping, uh, just camping out at, at night and made himself a fire because it was cold. He fell asleep and rolled over into the fire and burned to death. And the, everyone in town knew about it. You know, and uh, this man who had said to us that we were going to burn suffered the same fate. And uh, we saw you know, the, uh, the truth in the reality of uh, uh, the scripture where it says God is not mocked. You know, if you stand against the work of God, you know, you're on dangerous ground. And, um, and this, uh, this man uh, suffered this fate and it wasn't what we wanted. But uh, obviously, uh, as, as I said to the church, something obviously we don't need him anymore. We learned a lesson. We did what we needed to do and we, we learned to love the unlovable. And we have to continue to do that. You know, because God is very good at bringing people into our lives that show us that we haven't quite got it all together yet. You know? He brings someone new into the church or into a you know, new, new neighbour and they have different needs and different uh, problems, and it's just for you. Did you know that? Just for you to just to open your eyes to the fact that you haven't quite got it all together. Because sometimes we get we go, oh, I'm living at peace with all of my brothers and sisters in Christ, and with all all the people that are around me, and uh, that's really good. You know, I'm 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 able to. Uh, I think I'm, I think I've got it together. You know, I think everything's going fine. Then God says, here, try this guy. There we go. And something rubs you up the wrong way and you get a little bit frustrated. That's the moment when you need to say, Lord, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. If you can love this person, why can't I love him? What do I have to do to change so that I can love this guy as well? And then when you learn to love him, guess what will happen next? Someone else will come in. God will bring... He just. You never ever knew that you didn't like that until someone came along and did it. And then, oh, what was that? Now I and we get frustrated and, and God changes us if we allow him to. What happens today, in, uh, especially in Australia, is that if you don't uh, like what's going on, you just leave. You go to the other church 10 metres down the road. And you never grow. And you never learn anything. And you never become... Anything more than what you are because you can't learn to love other people. And so he's saying here, he's not only telling us about how we should try to win uh, the loss, but also how we should live with uh, our fellow uh, brothers and sisters. Because if God can forgive you and if God can forgive them, why can't we forgive one another? We have been given the ministry of reconciliation, but we can't reconcile between ourselves. This is a problem. If you have a problem with a, a brother or a sister in Christ, you need to fix the problem. Go and talk about it. Be an adult about it. Grow up and change and, and, and find some kind of compromise or find some kind of uh, 
something that you can, you can uh, begin to base a, a proper relationship on. And so we've been given this job, the, uh, the Ministry of Reconciliation. And this, uh, it, it comes down to our walk with God. Are we walking with him? Knowing the terror of the Lord, do we persuade men? Being, having the love of Christ constraining me, do I, do I reach out to all men or do I just look upon the outward appearance? Uh, am, I, am I reconciled with the people that are around me? Am I able to fulfil the ministry of reconciliation? Or do I need to begin to reconcile my own relationships? And so when we begin to look upon men as souls and we begin to see them the way that they really are, we begin to see them as Christ saw them. When he looked upon the multitudes, he had compassion upon them. And sometimes uh, the scariest looking people uh, that I've seen have been uh, the nicest and usually the reason that they've done that to themselves is because they're, they're suffering and they want to protect themselves from others. So they make themselves look hideous so that people will stay away because they don't want to be hurt anymore. And so when we begin to look upon the souls of men, then, uh, then we begin to fulfil our ministry. Because this is the way we, we, we do track dropping okay? or, or track distribution in the street. Right. Oh, that person looks nice. Give them one, give them one. Smile, smile, smile. Here comes a guy. He looks a bit shady, maybe a little bit unclean, maybe a little you know, tattoos all over him or something like that, you know, whatever it is. And you go, eh, this guy. <laughs> and we're selective in our, in our uh, evangelism. And we select based on what? <coughs> the outward appearance. But we don't look upon the soul. A lost soul that needs Christ. Just waiting for uh, someone to come and tell them about Christ. No, not everyone is going to accept it, but okay, we have to give everybody a chance. You can't just look upon the outward appearance and then say, no, no I'm not going to try and do that. And uh, in, in Romania, we have two um, people groups. We have the Romanians and we have the gypsies, the, the Roma people. And the two don't mix very well. And we've found that sometimes the Romanian people won't talk to the gypsy people and the gypsy people won't talk to the Romanian people about the Lord. And they say, hey, this is not good. You need, to, you need to begin to look upon each other as souls of men, as souls. Okay? Souls have no race. They have no, no age. That's what I love about the soul. It doesn't age. That's why as older men we think that we can still play soccer with the younger men. Because in our soul we say, I can do that. I really enjoy that. And when we start running around with them, we go, no, I can't do that anymore. I, can't. I want to, but I can't. Because the soul wants, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it doesn't age and it wants to do the things it wants to do. And, and the soul would be able to do so, such great things if it wasn't trapped in this body. And it's what makes us human. That's what separates us from all other beings in in, uh, in, uh, in the creation. You know, angels are spirits. They have no body. You know, animals are body. They have no spirit. You know, we are a spirit trapped in a body. And so we have these great ideas and dreams in our minds, but we're confined to space and time and, and reality. 
that he, what, what, so we need to look upon men, the souls of men, and be able to be an ambassador for Christ and to reach out to them. So I want to ask you a few questions this morning. What are you doing with the life that God has given to you? It says here, For love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they should, that they which live should not henceforth live under themselves, but under him which died for them and rose again. You know, the Bible says uh, in the book of Psalms, Lord, teach us to number our days that we might live wisely upon this earth. And then he says, you know, God gave us three score and ten years and some four score years. That's 70 years, 80 years. And some people even are lucky enough to have 90 years, but it's borrowed time with God. Now, what are we going to do with the rest of our lives. If, you were going, if God was going to give you, all of us, 70 years, how old are you? How much time do you have? What are you going to do with the rest of the time? Maybe you'll get more, maybe you'll get less. You don't know. But you need to plan. You say, Lord, what, will you, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? What do you want me to do with the rest of my life? What is the plan? What is it that you uh, want me to accomplish? Will I go to heaven standing before the judgment seat of Christ with my hands empty? Will I have no, uh, no, uh, no souls that, that were saved uh, through my ministry? Was there no one in this world I could reconcile to God? Am I going to get to heaven with nothing because the souls of men are the only things we can take with us we leave everything else behind and so we have to begin to you know there's a, the, the hymn you know uh, uh, you know the, that's based upon that verse of bearing precious seed you know that in, and, and, and weeping bearing precious seed will no, no doubt re- return rejoicing with, with the harvest with the with the uh, with the wheat how much will we have? Will we have any? Will we have at least one piece of wheat? What will it be? Will we stand before God with empty hands? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? What is God's plan for the rest of my life? <clears throat> All of us need to be thinking of these things so that we might be able to fulfill the, the ministry which God has given to each one of us as Christians. Okay, we are ambassadors for Christ, therefore we live for him. We are uh, representatives of him and his country. What do people think about heaven based upon my life? What are we doing with our lives? Are we giving them to him? Are we living for him? Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. For we will all stand before the judgment, seat of, the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. What are we doing? When we get to that day, when we, when we finally stand before Christ, are we able to come and say, Lord, I took that talent that you gave me and here are two.
when I took that life which you gave me and this is what I did with it. What, what will you have to offer the Lord? We need to be busy fulfilling the ministry which God has called us to. He saved us. We have been reconciled to God. We are the best qualified people to go and lead other people to Christ. We know what it means to be a sinner. We know what it means to have a life wasted. We know what it means to be forgiven. We know what it means to have an abundant Christian life. We are the best people. And God wants to use each and every one of us. Will you give your life to him and allow him to use you? Will you begin to look upon people the way that they really are and see the soul of men and see the need that they have for Christ and go and tell them about what Christ has done for them? What will you do with the rest of your life? What will you be able to say when you stand before Christ on that day? May God help each one of us to answer that question and not only to answer it, but to live it. And when we get to see the Lord, be able to rejoice in seeing him and not need to have our tears wiped away. May God bless each and every one of us and may God uh, use us in our own mission field where we are to bring people to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.